Psalm 105, verses 1 through 6. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered, O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Let's pray together. Lord, we know that your works in this world through ancient times past, Lord, creation, which we've been talking about in Genesis, to our very own lives as believers, Lord, all of it is a miracle of your power and your grace. And Lord, we are invited by this psalm to not only tell of your wondrous works, but to seek your presence, to seek greater presence, greater power, greater works in us today and in the future. And so, Lord, I pray that you would lead this time together, God. I pray that you would be glorified in all that we say and do. And Lord, as we've even just been talking about that uh, when the body of Christ gathers together in worship, something beautiful, something special, something unique occurs. Lord, you are present with us. And so, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place and teach us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today we have an opportunity not only to understand God's words in this psalm, but to do God's words in this psalm. Every Sunday should be about God and what he has done in Christ, what Jesus has done for his people. And today is not going to be any different, but we want to be specific. We want to be specific about God's wondrous works, not only in ancient times past, not only in what he has done in sending Jesus to die for the sins of his people, but also what he has done in our community, in Carpinteria, in reality Carpinteria, who we are as a church, who we are as a family of disciples, and where he is calling us, how he is calling us to participate in the work that he's doing in Carpinteria, the coastlands, and the nations. See, this psalm is all about God's faithfulness to his people throughout everything that they have been through. As difficult as many seasons as they have experienced were, the Lord never fails. And so he tells the people, give thanks to the Lord. Sing praise, make known his deeds, make, tell of his wondrous works, that we should be talking about the things that God has done, the things that God is doing, and be mindful, even when we don't know where God is in a particular situation, that he is working like that song we sing all the time. Even when I don't see it, he's working. He's always working all the time. And so this psalm records the history of God's people, specifically from the time God made a promise to Abraham that he would give Abraham's descendants the promised land of Canaan, even when Abraham was a sojourner in that land, in a foreign place that did not belong to him. God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you and your descendants this land. And then from that period on, Abraham's descendants experienced some crazy things. 
The, the promise continued to uh, Isaac and, and Jacob and, and Jacob's 12 sons. And then Joseph was, was sold into slavery by his brothers and Im, imprisoned in, in Egypt. And it looked like, what on, what on earth is happening? How is, this, how is God going to fulfill this promise? But God used that season to save God's people from a famine that hit the land. And so Joseph was able to see what you meant for evil, God was doing for good because the Lord never fails. God is always faithful to his people. And so God brought his people to Egypt where they were living in a foreign land, but God blessed them and they grew in, in number and, 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 and became a great nation. But then they started to be oppressed and, and, and enslaved. And it was easy for the people to go, where is our God in this? But then God sent Moses and, and the 10 plagues and, and they crossed through the Red Sea and, and to Mount Sinai and they received the law and they received the covenant and they were made God's people. And there was this excitement that we're going to go into the promised land. But then again, failure. And because of a lack of faith, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But God provided for them through manna from heaven, the bread from heaven, through water from rocks. He led them with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And he provided for them. And so throughout the history of God's people, there's been really beautiful things that God has done. There's been failure on the parts of the people. There's been sorrow and hardship. But God never fails. And so eventually he does bring the people of Israel into the promised land. That's what this Psalm, Psalm 105 is all about. Rejoicing and celebrating all of his wondrous works. The thing that he has done to give the people the land. And so God has fulfilled his promise to Abraham. But did you know that between the promise and the fulfillment, it was about 400 years. 400 years. It would have been so easy to give up. It would have been so easy to see the difficult circumstances and throw in the towel, just call it quits. God has certainly abandoned us and just bow out. 400 years and it wasn't always good. Imprisonment and slavery and wandering in the wilderness. But God was always faithful to them and God brought them to the land just as promised. And God's past faithfulness is their future assurance. And so this Psalm, Psalm 105, most scholars agree was written in the context of Israel's exile. When after, again, another period of faithlessness, they were removed from the land. But because God had promised it to them, because he was faithful to them, they looked back to look forward. They looked back at God's faithfulness. They remembered God's wondrous works, and that gave them courage. It gave them confidence for the future, regardless of the season that they were experiencing. They looked back to look forward. And so as a church, today we are calling today Vision Sunday because we want to look forward to what we believe God is doing in our church, what we believe God is doing in our community. But before we can do that, we have to look back. We have to look back and see where we have been. I believe that our story as a church, and I believe that our stories as individuals, though in seasons it may feel like we are experiencing something that comes out of left field, that just is un, unsuspected, it surprises us. God is not surprised by it. 
And if you look at your life, you can probably see how where you're at today or where you're going is a product of the story that came before. I believe that God can draw a straight line between our past and our future through our lives as individuals, through Israel's life, a straight line from creation to Christ. A straight line between what he has done, what he always does, and what he is doing today. And so we need to look back as a church and ask the question, where have we been? Now, I want to step out of the text for a little bit and talk about our church, but we will return to Psalm 105 and hear what the Lord has to say through that psalm to us today as we move forward. So let's go back to the beginning. Not 2003, when Reality Carpentry was planted, but I want to take you back to a little coffee shop in downtown Carpinteria in the 1970s, where a group of men and women regularly gathered and prayed and hosted Bible studies and asked God to plant a church in Carpinteria that would be in Carpinteria and for Carpinteria, for, for revival to take place in our community. In fact, they believed that maybe they should even start this church. And so they began to take steps into seeing if maybe they could start a church. And through a variety of circumstances, God made it clear that they were not the ones who would start this church. And it wouldn't have been for 30 years until men and women from that Bible study, some of whom are among us today, wouldn't be for 30 years until they believed that God was fulfilling or answering those prayers that they prayed 30 years ago when Reality Carpinteria was planted. Faithfully praying for 30 years, wondering if God would answer those prayers. See, even if things don't happen as we hoped, or happen when we hoped, even if it takes 30 years or 400 years. The Lord never fails. Amen? Can we say, church, the Lord never fails. Nobody could have anticipated what God would do with Reality Carpinteria once it was planted in 2003. The original vision for this church was to be a, a church for Carpinteria, specifically for the youth, and for uniting English-speaking and Spanish-speaking worshipers under one roof. That was, that was the vision for Carpinteria, for reconciliation among the community, for Jesus to be glorified, for Jesus to be reality, what is true. There's lots of things that people talk about truth, but Jesus is reality. Jesus is what, pertain, uh, uh, is, 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 what is most true. But that original vision, as some of you who are involved, just straight up got hijacked by God. Okay, I'm not making a statement about that or not. God made it abundantly clear that what he was going to do in this church was more than just something for Carpinteria. But Reality Carpinteria became <clears throat> this hub of church planting and mission across the country and across the globe. Okay, eight reality churches have been planted 
from these walls that you've all prayed for, that you have all provided for, that you have funded and gone on prayer tours for. Eight reality churches have been planted in God-forsaken places like Los Angeles and San Francisco and by Stockton, Boston, London, all of these places out of little Carpinteria. Out of, out of Carpinteria, California, thousands of lives have been changed, not only in these walls, but across the country, across the world. God hijacked this vision and made Reality Carpinteria something that nobody could have anticipated. And all of it was fueled by God's spirit, leading the worship and the passion and generosity of all of you. Faithful men and women in little Carpinteria jumped on board this vision to change the world for Jesus. The Lord never fails. The Lord never fails. He saw beyond the vision that we had as a church and did something completely different and remarkable. But there was an unintended consequence of this hijacked vision. See, many people felt that Carpinteria and our local obligations and mission had taken a back seat to what was happening elsewhere. One brother told me that it felt like Reality Carpinteria had become a family of church planters and not a family of disciples. And so there was still something to be desired, still a a hope that one day Reality Carpinteria would be able to focus its mission in, in Carpinteria and that our ministry to the nations would be an overflow of what God was doing right here at home. And so people continued to rally with this longing. They still wanted something local. They still wanted something for Carpinteria, but they continued to rally because it was undeniable what God was doing. And after all, remind ourselves that the Lord never fails, right? God has got to be doing something in this. But it wasn't just the vision that left something to be desired. Like Israel's story, our story includes seasons of hardship and tragedy. Yeah, God blessed his people, saved them from a famine, brought them to Egypt. But it took a guy being sold by his brothers into slavery and imprisoned for years. And so Reality Carp, God's favor and generosity does not mean that we are inexperienced in grief. Those of you who've been around from the beginning remember countless hardships. Hardships feels like an understatement. Some of the things that have happened in this place. The things that broke your heart. And honestly, if it weren't for the grace of God, would have shattered our faith. Some of you who've been around from the past only have faith still by the grace of God. Even planting churches and sending missionaries has a dark side. Some of the most gifted leaders this church has ever had left to go start something someplace else. That hurts. It does. You know it's for something good. You can get on board with the mission, but it hurts. 
pastors that loved and cared for you, that you loved and cared for, left to go do something different. And there's loss there. And every time a pastor was sent to plant a church, we knew that it was good, but it still hurt because we were sending away a leader that had loved you well. I was reminded of this when we sent the Medes to the Arab Gulf. Oh my gosh, Kim and Garrett, just incredible. Such an incredible family. And we can be on board. We know that what they're doing is good. But there's grief, there's loss, there's hardship there. When Reality Santa Barbara and Reality Campus, uh, Reality Ventura campuses were started and then eventually became autonomous, these were brothers and sisters who had all worshipped here. And then they weren't here anymore. We know that it's good, but it's hard. There is something to grieve in that. There is loss to recognize. Then eventually, there was Britt's sabbatical and then his retirement from ministry in 2019. Nobody knew what the future would look like, and we entered an incredibly difficult and confusing season. The church was full of division and fear, and then the unimaginable happened, and the church split. And honestly, many didn't know if we were going to make it. At times, many wondered if God had removed our lampstand, so to speak. Even if you never believed it, it crossed your mind. Crossed my mind. All the time, it crossed my mind. Now listen, there are very few things in my life that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called me to, to be a faithful husband to my wife, father to my children, and to move my family to Carpinteria and be a part of shepherding this family that God is building here. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt when the opportunity came that God was calling me to it. Absolutely knew it. And there were times in the parking lot, remember the parking lot? Middle of the sermon, I'm preaching. And I'm like, God, did you call me to Carpinteria to kill us? I stopped giving Israel a hard time in the wilderness. They walked through the Red Sea. We'll sit down and talk. I'll talk about Red Sea moments that my family went through to get here. And still, God, did you call us here to kill this thing? There were times when we were praying out in the parking lot. On Wednesday nights with the heaters out. And I lived right down the street, so I'd walk down the street weeping. God, if you don't show up, there's no reason for us to show up. Countless Sundays on my knees in the office, Lord, breathe life into your church. We're going to die. Even if in my heart of hearts I had faith and did not believe that it was going to happen, oh, still crossed my mind. And it was hard. It was hard for some of you. Some of you are laughing and nodding because you remember those days. You're like, what in the world is going on? But the Lord never fails. 
Amen. We wondered if we would have survived. We wondered, you know, would people give up? Would we run out of money? I remember just oftentimes, just before the Lord, pleading with him on behalf of this church, and the Lord never fails. Reality Carp, look what God has done. Church, look, look what God has done. Some of us aren't out of the woods yet. Okay, maybe even as a church, we're not out of the woods yet. But look what God is doing. Many of you have experienced a season of healing, not just from the last two years, but a season of healing from the last 19 years during this season. God has been restoring our joy. He's been giving us a greater expectancy of of, of what he will do when we gather and what he wants to do in his people and through his people by the grace of Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, I've never experienced the sense of family in a church community ever in my life that we're experiencing here. It's a beautiful family of disciples being built up, being established here in Carpinteria, for Carpinteria, for the sake of the gospel going from this place. The Lord never fails his people. That doesn't mean everything is as it should be. Okay, maybe you're here today and you know stories of people being excited or being encouraged, but maybe you're not there yet and that's okay. It reminds me of, of a scene from the book of Ezra when the exiles return to Jerusalem and they rebuild the temple and there are shouts of joy at the rededication of, of this temple. Uh, but there's also a group of people who remember the old days, who remember the glory of that temple and they're weeping. And the book of Ezra says that the the cries of joy and the cries of sorrow were indistinguishable. And so some of you are here and you're really excited about what God's doing. And some of you are here and you're skeptical or some of you here and you're like, it's not the same. I just want to encourage you. There's a place for you. Whatever your, whatever your feelings are, whatever your attitude is, there's a place for those who are really excited and really sorrowful. There's a place for you. And so we continue to gather and we continue to wait to see what the Lord will do. And so we're entering a new season as a church. Uh, Yesterday was the two-year anniversary of my family moving to Carpinteria. It's been, thank you. I like being here. It's a lot of fun. Two-year anniversary of, of, of moving to Carpinteria. And it feels like the season that we're in right now it's time for some vision. It's time for some direction. It's time to mobilize. It's time to answer the question, what are we doing here? Right? Look, we don't know where we're going to be in September, but we do know who we are. It feels like, you know, before this might be kind of rushing some vision. I remember people early on after I got here asking, do you have vision for Reality Carpentry? And I would say, I have vision but I don't know yet that it's our vision. And over two years, it's been like uh, uh, echolocation. You know how like dolphins and, 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 and bats, they just kind of like project something out there and see what bounces back. 
I've been, I've been dripping the vision that I have had for this church into the community and just seeing what has resonated with people and to see what we're excited to grab onto, to see the unique part of who we are as a church. And so we may not know where we're going, but I believe we do know who we are. And so it's from this newfound place of stability that we have and, and as, as a church that uh, in, in, in a lot of ways is deeply rooted in who we have been for the last 19 years, but in many ways is a sign of God doing a new thing that nobody could anticipate. And so it's through these hardships and periods of having things stripped away that God reminds us how precious and how valuable he is. It's when, it's when we go through seasons of difficulty that we most need to declare his wondrous works, as Psalm 105 says. And remember what those are is not just in our life, but in Christ for his people, for the sake of the good news and the kingdom of God. It's in those difficult seasons of life when the shiny things of the world just kind of dim and Jesus remains all the more bright in our vision. And one thing that's come out that, that many of us have been talking about is that some of the, one of the most beautiful things is in such a difficult season as a church, Jesus is our greatest treasure. Jesus is the most beautiful, most valuable thing that we have. When all else is stripped away, our greatest joy has remained in him. And so by his grace, we know where we are going, regardless of physical location. God has given us a vision for our church in this community. And it's not about a statement. It's not about, uh, uh, you know, having some ironed out like vision statement, but we do need to know what we are uniting around. That we're uniting around Jesus, yes. But God has given us unique giftings and passions. He's given us leaders. He's given us a community. He's given us a context that shapes that vision. And so our vision as a church is for Jesus to be celebrated as the greatest treasure in all of Carpinteria, the coastlands, and the nations. This is what we want. This is what we want to see from the mountains to the islands to everywhere in between. There are lots of reasons to come and visit Carpinteria and witness its beauty, witness its glory, witness its good things. But the best thing Carpinteria has is Jesus. And we want people to see that, whether here Santa Barbara, wherever you live, across the nation, across the globe, we want people recognizing that Jesus is the greatest treasure that is worth selling everything you have to go and acquire that thing, the treasure hidden in the field, the pearl of great price. It's Jesus that we should stop at nothing until we can cling to Jesus, till we can make Jesus our own, till we know that we are Jesus, his own. This is what we want to see everyone everywhere recognizing that Jesus is the most beautiful thing on the planet. This is something only the spirit of God can do. That's the other temptation. We look at a vision statement, we go, uh, maybe that sounds nice, but how are we? I can't do that. You can't make anybody treasure Jesus. I can't make you treasure Jesus. How are we to go about doing this? Well, that's the beauty of a mission statement. 
The mission statement makes tangible what we want to see. This is how we pursue these things. It's a way to go about seeking the visions. And so our mission as a church, every mission as a church is to make disciples. That's the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Every church, the mission is to make disciples, but God has given us an opportunity, given our context to make disciples who delight in Jesus, who declare the good news of Jesus, and who demonstrate the goodness of Jesus. Now, for those of you who have been around for a while, you're probably thinking like, what about theological, missional, relational? Right? Those have been around, you you remember those? It's there. This This isn't a departure. From theological, missional, relational, it's not a departure from our philosophy of ministry. It's not a departure of who we have been. This is an opportunity to refocus that original vision, to be a church in Carpinteria for Carpinteria, to make disciples of our neighbors, to preach the gospel, to demonstrate God's goodness to those people in our lives, to, to put intimacy with Jesus before all else. Our ministry will continue to flow from intimacy that we seek to cultivate delight in Jesus first and foremost. And then we tell people of the good news of Jesus that he can be their delight as well. And then we show them how good he is by the way we love and serve and minister to the community around us. This isn't a departure from anything. This is an opportunity to refocus on who we have always been, who we will continue to be, and how God will use us as a church in the future to make disciples who delight in Jesus, declare the good news of Jesus, and demonstrate the goodness of Jesus. Now, that is not my job. That is our job. See, it's not your job to delight in Jesus, my job to declare the good news of Jesus, and then the job of some really faithful Christians to go out and actually like be on mission and demonstrate the goodness of Jesus. No, all of us have a responsibility to cultivate delight, intimacy with Christ before all else. All of us have been entrusted with the good news of Jesus to go and make disciples by telling them of what Jesus has done for the forgiveness of their sins, for the ushering in the kingdom of God. And all of us are called to put Christ on display by the way we live our lives and love and serve the community around us. This is not my job. It is my job to equip you to do that job to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This is not a departure from anything. This is a refocusing and an opportunity to mobilize and be on mission. We don't exist to be a Sunday event. Okay, I have no desire whatsoever to be the grand poobah of some like exclusive social club. No desire. Church is not an event. Church is not a building. Okay, what happens here on Sundays is the gathering of the body of Christ to worship Jesus in his presence and to be on mission with Jesus to manifest his presence as we leave this place. We don't stop being the church when we leave this building. 
Okay, we scatter as the church to be on mission everywhere we go. So then what does this mean for you as individuals? It's a big, I, I recognize, we, we want a vision that apart from the power of God, we would fail miserably. We want a, what's a, 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 a the goals, the BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goals. We want something that's so big that if it weren't for God, we would fall flat on our face. Because then if it happens, we can't take any credit for it. It's Jesus who is doing it. So what does this mean? What is your part in all of this? For a few months now, Pastor Nick and myself have believed that God had given us a word for 2023. That word is presence. Not just because we need to find a new location, but because wherever we gather, wherever we are, We believe that God wants to establish his presence in his people and in this community. And so let's jump back into Psalm 105. Verse 4 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. As always, intimacy is first and foremost to seek the presence of God. It's literally uh, in the original language to seek his face, to to look face to face at our Savior, to be in his presence, communing with him as two friends face to face, experience communion with one another. And so God's people are told by the psalmist to seek his presence continually. But think about how strange it would be to be a Jewish person living under the old covenant and be told to seek the Lord's presence continually. The place that you had to go to seek the Lord's presence was the temple. And so if you are going to seek the Lord's presence continually, what are you supposed to just like pitch a tent in the temple? Think about that. The the children of Israel would sing these psalms, seek the Lord's presence continually. How do I do that? How do I seek the Lord's presence continually when his presence is manifest in the temple in a unique way? And I got got things to do. You know, I, I I I got to work. I got to provide for my family. I got to parent my children. I got to do all these things. How do I seek the presence of the Lord continually? And what about my sin that separates me from God? Under the old covenant, sacrifices had to be made to cover the sins of the people so that they could even enter God's presence. And if you weren't born a Jew, then just like, tough luck. You don't get to be in the the temple. You don't get to seek the Lord's presence in the temple. It'd be a hard thing to sing when you know you can't do it. This is the beauty of, of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Jesus incarnated the presence of God in this world. To incarnate something just means to enclose it in flesh. I love the example of carne asada. In, Brian gets me, fist pumping in the back there. The incarnation of God is God in meat, enfleshed, enclothed in humanity. So no longer 
is the manifest presence of God some mysterious thing in the Holy of Holies in the temple, but the presence of God exists on earth in the person of Jesus. In his physical body was the presence of God. In Christ, God's presence came to us. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. No longer do we need to meet certain ritualistic criteria and sacrifices in order to approach God because God has drawn near to us. So how can we dwell in the presence of God? How can we seek his presence continually? You recognize that God is seeking your presence continually. God has pursued you. He's not waiting for you to pursue him. He has come to you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His blood covers our sin. We are reconciled to God. We are given intimacy with God again, that because of what God has done, we are invited in. It is no longer about something that you need to do. It is about what God has done for you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not advice about things that you need to go and do so that God will smile upon you. It is the good news that because of Jesus, God is smiling upon you. So approach his throne with boldness. Approach his presence with joy and thanksgiving because a way has been made for you to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not on Sundays, but in Christ, in intimacy with him. This is the presence that God wants to establish in his community. The presence of Christ in his people. The presence of Christ in our time alone with God. The presence of Christ in the community of God. And manifesting the presence of Christ through the community of God. As we are the hands and feet of Jesus, going and loving and serving in Jesus' name. And so only in Christ can we pursue God's presence continually. And so I want to close with three exhortations for our church this year. And I want to give you a heads up that in this time, uh, we're gonna, we will eventually transition into a time of worship. But, but we're going to reflect on each of these three exhortations as the worship team sings over us. And I, I'll invite them up here in just a little bit. But before I get into these exhortations, I want to let you know that we are going to together as a church, those who can make these commitments, we're actually going to stand up and vocalize these commitments in a call and response. There are times throughout God's people in in history where they experienced covenant renewal ceremonies, where they all got together and they listened to the book of the law being read and they would say together all of these things that God has commanded us we will do. And so we're going to take some time to actually express these things vocally. And look, if you're here and you're not a part of Reality Carpenteria, this isn't your church, God bless you. Thank you for being here. If you're a Christian, I would invite you to, in your heart, make these commitments to your congregation, wherever that may be. If you're here and you're not a Christian, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here and hearing about the good news of Jesus and spending this time with us. It is our hope that you would see in the body of Christ the goodness of Christ's presence and in the gospel, the good news of his death and resurrection, an invitation to you to participate, not just in some future eternal salvation, but to participate in a family, to be on mission 
for the glory of God. And it's my hope that you would receive the good news of Jesus, that you would trust in him and that you would live a life that reflects these things. And so in light of what Jesus has done to save us from our sin, to plant this church, to guard us through really difficult times and establish us, as we look to the future of, of seeking for Jesus to be celebrated as the greatest treasure in carpentry of the coastlands and the nations, as we want to mobilize and delight in, in Jesus and declare the good news of Jesus and demonstrate the goodness of Jesus to those around us, I want to call you to three things. First, Reality Carpenteria, be present to the Lord. Be present to the Lord. Be mindful of his presence in your life. Pursue his presence. Pursue intimacy with Christ before all else. Okay, it doesn't matter how much we talk about God's presence or desire God's presence if we don't actually prioritize sitting in his presence. And we busy ourselves with so much doing that when we finally slow down, we realize that we feel distant from God. See, many people will blame, will blame God for those feelings of feeling distant, right? We feel distant. We're like, God, I, like, there's no sin in my life. Why are you distant from me? You shouldn't, you shouldn't expect intimacy with God just because there's no unrepentant sin in your life. Unrepentant sin will interfere with that, but that's not all you need to do to cultivate that. It's like um, being frustrated with your spouse for not having an intimate relationship with them just because you haven't had an affair. You can't be like, I just don't feel close to my wife. What, what's, it's your fault. It's not like I'm cheating on you. That's, that's not all it takes to have a healthy marriage. Resisting sin is not all it takes to cultivate intimacy with our Savior. So let's commit to seeking God's presence in his word. Commit to seeking God's presence through prayer and in worship. But one of the primary ways that we we commit to seeking God's presence is in the body of Christ. See, 1 Peter 2.5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. This means that even though the people of God have become the dwelling place of God, as we've been talking about, we are not isolated, self-contained little temples. Okay, we like to think that in American individualism, that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. And yes, in a way, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And so, yes, you are temples of the Holy Spirit. That is what scripture calls us to be. But you are just one stone in that temple. You are one living stone that is being built up with all of the other living stones. And so when we isolate ourselves, we're literally just a brick laying on the road for someone to like trip over or stub their toe on. We're not a spiritual house until we gather and we are built together in a spiritual house where God's presence is manifest in his community. And so when we come together, we become something different. It's like Voltron or the Power Rangers for those of you who are younger. For those of you who are older, I'm sorry. We come together, we become something different. And so when Christians are gathered for worship, something mysterious and something beautiful happens. The scriptures say that Christ himself 
is the one who teaches us through his word and that Christ himself is the one who sings through us to the glory of God the Father. Listen to Hebrews 2, 11 through 12. I'll explain this a little bit. For he who sanctifies, that is Jesus. Jesus is the one that sanctifies. And those who are sanctified, that is us, who have believed the good news of Jesus and whose blood covers our sins, all have one source. That is why he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will tell of your name, God's name, to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. So check this out. Okay, this is the book of Hebrews. This is New Testament. This is after the death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus after the Holy Spirit has fallen on the church to establish the church. Speaking of Jesus, says, God, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. So when we gather and we, and we sit under the teaching from the word of God, who is the one that's teaching? Jesus. Doesn't matter what preacher is preaching. If it's the word of God, it is Jesus that is instructing his people. And when we sing in worship, whose voice is heard? Jesus. Okay, when I talk about something mysterious, mystical, like happening when we gather for worship, that doesn't happen anyplace else on the planet. Okay, when you're sitting at home listening to a podcast. Okay, that promise is not given you. Yes, Christ's presence is with you always through the Holy Spirit, but something happens when the body of Christ gets together. Okay, when you're, when you're singing Hillsong in your car or in the shower, that's not promised to you. But in the congregation, when the body of Christ gets together, and in the presence of the Lord, lift one voice and sing his praise. Hebrews says it's Jesus singing. That doesn't happen anyplace else. And so if we want to commit to pursuing Christ's presence continually, it is going to involve committing to Christ's presence in the body of Christ the church. This is not a social club. This is not even the most fun thing you can do on a Sunday morning. It's the best thing that you can do on a Sunday morning, regardless of the person sitting next to you or across the aisles from you or how much you love the preaching or hate the preaching or love the worship or hate the worship. This is the best thing that we can do on a Sunday morning is get together with the body of Christ as churches across the city, across the country, and across the world are doing the same thing and encountering the presence of God in a miraculous, mysterious way as we worship. And so apart from pursuing God's presence on your own this year, commit to being present to the body of Christ. Don't let us be a spiritual house missing bricks. Just a drafty old room because there's holes in the walls because our brothers and sisters, our living stones are missing. Commit to the gathering 
of the body of Christ. This is why Hebrews continues to say in chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do not neglect the habit of meeting together as some have done. Look, if you're a Christian, please hear me. This has nothing to do with Reality Carpinteria. Okay, this is a responsibility that you have regardless of where you worship, regardless of where you call church. You don't have to commit to Reality Carpinteria. But for the sake of your faith and seeking the presence of the Lord continually, commit to a body of believers in the local church. Commit to a body of believers in the local church to pursue Christ's presence with one another. Prioritize your commitment to a church somewhere. And so this year, commit to being present to the body of Christ. But here is what the enemy will do with that. He will allow you to pat yourself on the back because you're in a seat on Sunday morning. And you'll be able to pat yourself on the back because you're not isolating yourself from the body of Christ. But he will cause you to insulate yourself from the body of Christ. That you will be present, but not participatory. And so when I say commit to seeking God's presence in the body of Christ, it's not just showing up, but investing, committing, participating, getting involved in community, building relationships with one another, serving, okay, giving financially, participating in the life of the church that God has called you to. Do not insulate yourself from the body of Christ. Commune with the body of Christ. So commit to pursuing Christ's presence, to being present to the Lord, to being present in the body of Christ. And lastly, commit to bearing Christ's presence to our community. This is another miraculous thing that happens. That when the body of Christ gathers for worship, Christ is present. And when the body of Christ scatters on mission, it's the hands and feet of Jesus serving this community so that they can see his goodness and know what he has done for them, to know that he uh, has loved them, to know that he has served them, to know that he is blessing them, to know that he is present with them. We actually have an opportunity to bear his presence to the community around us as we love people in Jesus' name. We take the good news to the streets and we love the marginalized. We love the hurting. We love the poor and the poor in spirit. We gather on Sundays for worship, but we scatter throughout the community on mission. This is what home groups are about. We gather on Sundays at a large in a, in a large gathering, and then we scatter throughout the community to be on mission in our home groups. They're little pockets of discipleship and mission. 
join a home group. Come to our Tuesday night community dinner tonight, uh, this, this week at 5.30 p.m. Come and hear the vision. Come and hear and, and, and get plugged into a home group where you will not only be encouraged in your faith through the study of scripture and, and prayer and worship and sharing meals together, but where you will actually be mobilized to be on mission in the community. And so, Lord, church, to close, the Lord never fails. He has never failed us. He will never fail us. We are full of stories of his wondrous works, but the greatest of his works is Jesus. And we get to participate in the continuation of that work. Acts, the book of Acts uh, begins with, the, with Luke saying, you know, I have in my last work, speaking of his gospel, I told you all that be- Jesus began to do and teach, implying that in the book of Acts, the church is all that Jesus is continuing to do and teach. And so as we are on mission, it is Christ who is on mission in his people. And when we do these things, it's not reality that is seen as our greatest treasure. It's Jesus. It's not about reality. May the name of reality burn and may Jesus be exalted forever and ever. But as a community, we can rally around what God has given us to do. And as a community, serve this city and serve our neighbors and see the glory of Jesus manifest throughout the coastlands and the nations. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and join me. And we're going to take a moment to reflect on these last three exhortations. And and the worship team is going to sing over us. But on the screen, those three commitments are going to be on there. The commitment to be present to the Lord, to be present to the body of Christ, and to bear Christ's presence to our neighbors. And and look, if you're a Christian, this, this isn't anything different than what we are always called to. But as a family, we can vocalize these things together and say that we're in this together. But I want us to be able to do it with confidence. I want us to be able to commit to these things, having reflected on them and being certain of these things. And so the worship team is going to sing over us. And during this time, I want you to reflect on these commitments. And then I'm going to come back up and I'm just going to lead us through a very brief call and response. Reality Carp, do you commit to being present to the Lord? Do you commit to being present to the body of Christ? Do you commit to bearing Christ's presence to the world around us? And we'll just respond. I need to respond to this too. I'm committing to this too. We'll respond together. We will. We will. We'll commit to being present to the Lord. We'll commit to being present in the body of Christ. We'll commit to bearing Christ's presence to our neighbors around us. Because this is what he invites believers to anyway. So I'm going to pray for us. And again, we're just going to hear the good news, the truth of who God is sung over us. We'll walk through these things together. And then we'll close our time as usual with a time of response and worship. So would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, would focus our minds and our hearts on you. 
all that you have done in our lives as individuals, our life as a church, and in the people of God throughout the history of the world, Lord. We are desperate for your presence. And so would you minister to the hearts of your people as we reflect on these things, Lord, if there be any stumbling blocks, anything that would prevent us from responding in faithfulness to what you call your people to, Lord, I pray that we'd be honest with you at this time. Lord, whatever needs to happen so that we can confidently confess our trust and our commitment, Lord, our, our, our participation in your body, Lord, would you, would you lead us in this time, we ask in Jesus' name.